0: MSW Media. Hello and welcome to The Daily Beans for Thursday, July 1st, 2021. Happy July, everyone. Today, I'll be chatting with Laura Packard about the recent SCOTUS decision on the Affordable Care Act. And later, I'll be talking to the founder of Project Connect. His name is Greg Potter. It's an incredible guy. I hope you enjoy these interviews. Hey, everybody. I am honored to be joined again today by my friend, healthcare advocate, stage four cancer survivor, founder of. Healthcare Voices and Executive Director of Get America Covered please welcome Laura Packard to the beans
1: Laura welcome thank you for having me
0: i am so excited to talk to you today because it was just recently third week of june or so second week of june when the supreme court had decided that in california v texas for the affordable care act this you know decision we've all been waiting on that that they didn't have standing to sue basically because The mandate was brought down to zero dollar penalty. And so they didn't have any harm or injury to speak of. And so they decided seven to two, which is weird because it should be unanimous, that uh, they didn't have standing to sue. And so therefore, we have upheld once again in the Supreme Court, the Affordable Care Act. It can't, it doesn't (laughs) so far, has not lost. And I wanted
1: your top line thoughts on that uh, victory, that
0: uh, victory in the Supreme Court. Well, we are
1: three for three in cases before the Supreme Court, which is good news. But the bad news is, all they have to do is win once to uh, wreak devastation on millions of Americans. Uh, you would think that people would learn from a, this uh, documented a losing streak to leave people's healthcare alone, but I don't think they've learned that lesson yet. So well. this. (laughs) I mean,
0: election lies lost 65 times in the courts and they still they're still on it. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, exactly. They they're they're not uh, they are only uh, choosing to learn the lessons they want to learn as opposed to the lessons they should be learning. So this particular case may not come back because the Supreme Court said they there isn't standing. (laughs) But that does not mean that there is not an army of lawyers somewhere right now Figuring out new ways to attack the Affordable Care Act because this is a crusade for Republican politicians. Yeah, and, and despite the fact that everybody loves this, you know, I mean, they've been trying to
0: get rid of Social Security and Medicare for years as well, and that's failed at every turn. And hopefully, the ACA will stand up in those ways. And yeah, and if if we ever raise the penalty to a dollar or more, mm-hmm. they'll come back and say, "Oh, we have an injury now. We'd like to overturn the mandate." And since the mandate. Is such an integral part to the law. We just should just throw the whole thing away. That was their actual argument this time. But I think what's more amazing is that uh, recently, before this decision came out from the Supreme Court, we reached a record number of people who were covered under the Affordable Care Act, 31 plus million people. And I think that that is going to go up now. We've extended the enrollment period under the first COVID rescue plan by Biden right to August 15th. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. um, That was uh, an executive order to extend it. Uh, So uh, open enrollment, the special enrollment period runs until August 15th. It was originally May. And then when uh, our new uh, HHS secretary came in, one of the first things he did was extend it to August 15th. Uh, 31 million people are uh, enrolled and over a million have signed up in this special enrollment period alone. And uh, those numbers of 31 million, I don't believe that includes the state exchanges. So the number is probably higher than that. Okay. So I,
0: I misspoke. It wasn't part of the American Rescue Plan. It, it was just an executive order from HHS.
1: Right. What the American Rescue Plan included was uh, more subsidies to make Affordable Care Act plans more affordable than ever. But those subsidies are only for for two years. So part of the Biden infrastructure plans, the American Families Plan makes those uh, subsidies permanent. So that's one of the reasons why we need those infrastructure plans. Yeah. And it looks like now Bernie is
0: already writing up budget reconciliation uh, after the pretty, uh, I will say, surprising, almost a trillion dollar Republican proposal. I'd never seen Republicans want to spend any money on anything but not nearly enough. And now it looks like they're going to probably write it up for like five or six trillion dollars. Now they're like, all right, fine. We got to start high because we're going to have to come down for Mansion and Cinema. So we might as well just throw everything in there and see where we can end up with just the 50 votes plus Kamala that we need. Madam Vice President, now I wanted to talk to you a little bit about something that everyone seems to be thinking now that the ACA has been held up again in the Supreme Court, which is time to improve it, time to expand upon it, next logical step. And the whole reason that the Affordable Care Act was put into place was as a stepping stone to a public option. So let's talk a little bit about that because we're seeing it in some states, aren't we? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, uh, one thing to note is it just came out a few days ago that they are thinking of uh, in in the infrastructure bills, uh, expanding Medicare to I think it was age 60, as well as possibly including uh, vision and dental. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's being talked about expanding the programs we already have. And there are a few different proposals floating around federally uh, Uh, to um, uh, provide a public option. Uh, And in the States, the state of Washington was the first one to do this, to offer a uh, low uh, priced health insurance option through the state uh, administered by private insurance. And that was a couple years ago and they are refining it. And then this year, uh, both Colorado and Nevada past their own state-based uh, health insurance options. So this is starting to be a trend. Yeah, and something else I, th- I think that they should look at if they're
0: not already looking at is, is expanding who's eligible for VA care and TRICARE. We're talking about a quarter of the population of the United States. If we can bring more people into that net, particularly those with uh, mental health issues that served that had an other than honorable discharge, whose benefits were not r- able to be realized and to bring them into the fold, we would insure millions more. So there's multiple different ways to do this. And I think that, the you know, the next obvious step is, is a federal public option. And, and I, I think Medicare should go down to 55 or Medicare for all, honestly, uh, but not the Medicare for all that's sort of been bandied about and different had to have different meanings but just a public, a single public option. And there are so many things that that would do, right? I mean, that would Mm -hmm. force private health insurance companies to compete Mm -hmm. with a viable free public option. And that's
1: their nightmare. Mm -hmm. Which is uh, why they uh, killed it in the first go around in 2009, 2010. And they fought really, really hard in Colorado, in Nevada. Colorado had months of... uh, uh, TV ads. I got postcards in the mail, uh, and they, they, um, I ended up uh, reading that this was the most expensive, the most lobbied bill in Colorado history. So uh, and in Nevada, too, just tons of money dumped in. So uh, that's something to consider is uh, the insurance companies guard their profits and they don't let go very lightly. Yeah. And something else that a public option would do would be
0: lower the cost, the actual cost of healthcare. We see this with the VA all the time and the VA is able to also negotiate with pharmaceutical companies for really really huge discounts on drug prices. I don't know why the Department of Defense and Tricare don't do that. I don't know why <laughs> we don't do that for everybody else mm-hmm. in the United States. But in the VA because we're spending taxpayer money on healthcare, we we then become stewards of taxpayer dollars and we do what's medically necessary. And we do a lot of preventive care. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you start doing that, that's when the insurance lobby freaks out a little bit because they really (laughs) rely on sick people if they can't turn them away, which they can't right now.
1: Mm -hmm. And also, I think uh, it's something to watch is whether uh, drug reform is passed on the federal level. It's been talked about, Uh, HR three is a bill that got through the house last year uh, and it's got a slower passage this year because now there's actually the possibility of passing something. So they've talked about putting it into the infrastructure bill to help pay for it because you get huge savings, obviously, if you start negotiating with the drug companies instead of paying whatever they want. But uh, Big Pharma has big wallets. And so uh, there are a lot of legislators of both parties that uh, are are incentivized to not take away Big Pharma's profits. So that is an ongoing fight. And it's unclear yet what the uh, outcome is going to be.
0: Yeah. And if the federal government is paying for or subsidizing drug prices and negotiating drug prices, that to me sounds like something that's budgetary and can be included in budget reconciliation, or at least the parliamentarian would have to decide because it's a kind of a new thing, but I don't know, it's got budget written all over it to me.
1: Yes, I believe that this can be in reconciliation. It's just a question of whether there's the will to make it be. (laughs) Yes, because we know there are a lot of
0: dark money lobbyists lobbying some Democrats. Mm -hmm. So we have to find out which Democrats are going to stand up and say, I'm not going to take that money and I'm going to vote for this. And we can tell by the ones who
1: are quiet (laughs) what's probably motivating them. Well, the high cost of prescription drugs is something that's one of the most important issues for most Americans, uh, whatever their political beliefs. So politicians keep promising to do something about it. This is their chance and we'll see if they deliver. Yeah. My main concern, of course, is
0: Joe Manchin, whose daughter was responsible for the 600 to 1000 percent hikes in the cost of the EpiPen, for example. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a little worried about how he might react to these kind of pharmaceutical Issues.
1: And it isn't just mansion. Uh, if you look at uh Connecticut senators uh that are very tied into corporate interests, uh a public option was floated in Connecticut uh this year, but all the insurance companies uh got together and uh made some threats and then the public option disappeared. So it, it this is not just a West Virginia question. There are several senators. I mean, New Jersey is uh a, a major headquarters for pharmaceutical companies, so it isn't just the usual suspects here that you might have to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and and I need to reiterate too that taxpayers to the taxpayers, it's way more expensive mm-hmm. to use a private industry. It's it can be two to three times and more expensive just for the healthcare itself. Then there's administrative costs, sometimes fourteen to seventeen dollars per transaction. And then you have to pay a third party to do that as well. And it's I don't know if people I mean, people listening here understand, but how much cheaper it is. uh, We have to pay for it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: one way or another. We have to pay for it. So making it cheaper and having people regulating it and being stewards of the taxpayer dollar and doing preventive care is really the best way to go.
1: Mm -hmm. And also, it's important to note that uh, it isn't just uh, insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies. Uh, but more and more, uh, small doctors practices and so on have been bought up by private equity firms, by venture capital that come in, uh, buy them out and then jack up the rates and everything to try to turn a profit. And they dumped tens of millions of dollars into stopping a solution to surprise medical billing because surprise medical billing made them a lot of money. Uh, they, they ended up losing a a law did pass. Uh, we'll see how it, uh, actually takes place. You know, the regulations are being written now. And so there's backroom stuff going on. So we'll see how, how well it turns out in the end, but especially during the pandemic, when, um, Doctors uh, had a hard go of it. Uh, even more have been selling out to private equity. So that's something we're going to have to grapple with in the future, too. Yeah, and those
0: bills and, and those explanation of benefits—they're called. I'm sure everyone's seen an EOB at some point in their life. I have a PhD. I have a doctorate in understanding these documents and, and billing and insurance and large health systems and health administration. And I have friends who come to me all the time with their EOB, and they're like, "What is this?" And I'm like, I do not even know." what that is about. (laughs) But I do know that when they go out to private doctors, private doctors can charge up to one hundred and fifteen percent of Medicare rates. They don't tell you that Mm -hmm. you just have to end up paying the difference, which should be illegal. And hopefully we'll see something either in the infrastructure bill, budget reconciliation or an expansion on the ACA.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, there is so much more to do. We have incredible medical science and uh, the doctors and providers in our country, but so many people are priced out altogether. And in the richest country in the world, it's a matter of priorities. Yeah. And I think one of
0: the biggest arguments is, well, we'll lose that entrepreneurial spirit, which if you look at Let's look at the Department of Veterans Affairs, wholly government funded direct care. They don't even purchase it. They do have some purchased care if they don't have a provider available. But all in all, wholly, it's mostly direct care. They partner with top medical schools in the country. They have nurse training programs and doctor training programs, and they have research. And some of the most advanced robotics, medicine research, uh, drug research comes from these federally funded ventures. So that has been wholly disproven.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't think that uh, we should have to be the uh, provider of all the research and R and D for the world. You know, we pay so many times more for drugs and treatment and everything else than any other uh, industrialized nation. And why is that burden falling solely on the United States? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed.
0: Well, Laura, it's been great to talk to you. Can you tell everyone where they can find you and where they can find your organizations and support them?
1: Great. Well, my name is Laura Packard. You can find me on Twitter at lpackard, Packard. And uh, I am on Facebook and Instagram at Laura Packard Activist. Uh, My nonprofit is called Healthcare Voices, and you can find it on all the usual social media platforms by looking for Healthcare Voices. Awesome. I
0: appreciate your time today. And I hope to see you back soon when we have some uh, more interesting developments on podcasting. Possibly adding a public option. Thank you. Thanks. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back.
2: After these
3: messages, we'll be right back.
0: Hey, everybody. It's AG for the Daily Beans. Have you ever had an acne breakout at the worst possible time? Like the day before your wedding? Yeah. I had a pimple like the size of Cincinnati appear right before my wedding. We've all had struggles with our skin. That's why we're excited to partner with Apostrophe. And they sponsor this episode. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear up acne. I love science and Apostrophe loves science. Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. Simply fill out the Apostrophe online quiz about your skin goals and your little bit of a medical history and then you snap a few selfies and you will have a board-certified dermatologist create you a custom treatment plan apostrophe treats acne but they can also help hit your other skincare goals too like reducing redness those little fine lines and wrinkles and even dark spots my personal skincare goal as an adult is to avoid acne i was supposed to get my zip clemency i haven't received it yet so that's why i love apostrophe and i'm trying to reduce some dark spots uh anyway i love apostrophe because i get a real dermatologist my plan was tailored just for me submitting for my visit was quick and easy i didn't need to schedule an appointment and best of all i didn't have to go to the pharmacy and wait in line for my meds they sent them right to my house and the prescription medications feel great. They work well. They absorb nicely uh, on my skin. They're nice and light and silky. And we have a special deal for you. You can save $15 off your first visit. That would mean just such a $5. It would just be a $5 visit to talk to, to have a board-certified dermatologist create a customized plan for you. That's incredible. Uh, you do that at apostrophe.com beans and use the code beans. The code is only available to you. So get started. Go to apostrophe.com beans. Click begin visit. Then use our code BEANS at sign up, and you'll get $15 off your first dermatology visit. That's apostrophe, A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash BEANS. And again, use the code BEANS to get your dermatology visit for just $5. And we thank Apostrophe for sponsoring the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm honored today to be speaking to the field director of Southern Africa for PeaceWork International. Additionally, he serves as lead facilitator for Step Up Equity Matters in the Workplace. Please welcome Greg Potter. Greg, hello.
3: Hello. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy to
0: be here. I'm so excited to talk to you because of PeaceWork, and I want you to tell us a little bit about
3: this organization and what you do. Definitely. Well, it actually started, um, I ended up at the Clinton School of Public Service for graduate school, and I found myself working in South Africa um, for my capstone and then also an international development work. Uh, project. And then after I finished PeaceWork approached me and said, we need someone to really manage and further develop our programs in Southern Africa. Would you be interested? And I immediately said, yes, I had never in my twenties. I never thought I'd do international work. And then when it kind of like snuck up and like bit me in the butt, uh, I was in love with it. So then I took on some, this management role at PeaceWork and uh, we started out when I was there, we had about two or three projects and then we grew it to more than 10 projects all over the country. And we ventured into Mozambique, Botswana, Uganda. So mm. I was very lucky to be there.
0: Yeah. And I want to talk to you more about that, but I, I was just, I was taken aback about your, it's interesting how opportunities present themselves like that, that that wasn't really the road that you thought you were on, but then all of a sudden you were on this road. What, what road were you on or are you, are you kind of like me, where you just keep your head down, work hard, be kind, and
3: opportunities come in? It's, it's so like that. I grew up in the middle of Wisconsin. Uh, one day I realized something wasn't right. I went to school in Vegas, then came out of the closet, ended up in L.A. acting, then ended up at upper management for Starbucks, realized I really loved working in communities and not necessarily for the corporate, you know, uh, corporate machine, and then traveled the country for a year and ended up at, in Little Rock, Arkansas. So, yeah, it's always very, I know, I just trust that there is a plan and there's something there for me as long as I keep my head down and working hard and also, you know, make sure that I'm passionate and spreading love and seeing people for who they are. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's that be kind requirement for good opportunities to show themselves. It's just, it's so weird. We have so much in common because, you know, I ended up doing sprint corporate auditing and that wasn't for me. And then, you know, because of that work with telecommunications, I ended up working at a, setting up phone systems in boutique bougie hotels. <laughs> then Obama's like, serve your country. And I'm like, oh, I already was in the Navy. I'm not going to do that shit again. So he they brought me into the Department of Veterans Affairs and they're like, oh, you have call center experience. And they just threw me in charge of the call center. Never planned to be in <laughs> to telecommunications at all, uh, you know, because I was just working at a kiosk slinging cell phones. But then there's that and then and then comedy and then music and then accidentally becoming a comedian and then you know, working for the government and then podcasting happened. And I was just like, all right. I mean, if this is what we're doing, I love it. And uh, it fulfills the mission and vision of kind of where I wanted to be. And that sounds like exactly what is happening with PeaceWork. So go a little bit
3: more in depth about what PeaceWork does. What are some of the things that you're doing? Well, we we focus really on the sustainability piece of helping out community partners, but making sure that they're leading. We're not going to steer. We're definitely going to let them serve or we're going to serve and we're going to let them steer because they know what's best for them. And we work with mostly American universities, but we've also worked with corporations in Belize City. We did a project with PwC for seven years called Project Belize, and it was working on financial literacy with high schoolers in Belize, in Belize City. And still, because of that project, you can see the, medium, the median median amount in checking accounts are higher. There's more like small business owners. We You could see that metric really move because of the the tenacity and the attention to the sustainability piece of it. So um, and PeaceWorks has been going for over 30 years. We work in 20 plus countries. And yeah, it's really the models really focus. We're the convener. We're not the dictator.
0: Right. So you're, you're sort of uh, like almost consulting, like here's how we can help what we think is so important about what you're doing and do it yeah i mean that's just sort of kind of the that should be the model for for all of that
3: kind of work i think right totally agreed and then we also have the ability to like pull in you know whether it's the you know nursing students from an american university and they can also have you know bring in financial support they can bring in you know in belize we work uh, on a diabetes project in northern belize and so they're bringing all these glucose monitors you know that are not available, so we're able to really bridge those while still letting the community partner lead the lead what's needed.
0: No, oh, that's awesome. And and question for you: How do you change is hard for a lot of people, and I'm wondering how piecework kind of sells change. Like, how <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or or is there such a great need for certain things that people like the people that you work with are are really super excited and motivated already?
3: Well, it's it's the baby steps, right? Like that we can't, you know, we can't just go completely. And the model with piecework that I love so much is that we're looking, we're observing a different culture. We're observing a different piece, but while we're there, I'm facilitating workshops with them that makes the participants, allows them room, create space really for them to look inside. And then also how do they bring that back home and how do they create that change at home? So it's kind of a, uh, a byproduct of, of the change in, in, you know, international country, but then really it ultimately comes back home. Like, and those conversations are the biggest piece of that change.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to take a quick left turn here because I want to talk about your latest project. But before I get into that, I want to ask you about being a lead facilitator for something called step up equity matters in the workplace. That's a very, very important issue. And I was wondering if you could tell us what you're doing there because it seems to fit into this model.
3: It definitely, it definitely does. Uh, when I, when I got hired with PeaceWork and I realized I was not going to move back to Los Angeles after being in Little Rock, I came back to Wisconsin uh, to be closer to family. And We know how that gets as we get older. And so Step Up asked me to join, join their team. And what they do is look at in business workplaces and really look at, you know, What's the moral case? What's the, you know, how do we create more business, be more inclusive, and also make sure that we are reaching out to the best possible candidates for these jobs uh, without letting our biases get in the way? So that's really, yeah, looking at biases and how do we make the best possible, most equitable work experience?
2: Yeah,
0: because I mean, when you're trying to tackle biases in the workplace, you can't just come in and say, stop being biased, right? Right because th- that's just not how the human condition works. You know, you need to put sort of things in place to like sort of guidelines, guardrails, or I guess tangible steps toward eliminating that. And I,
3: I'm wondering how how easy is it to get people to recognize that we all have biases? It's to get them, to, to get people to recognize that we all have biases. Because I mean, the biggest ex- help with that is that I put mine out right on the table when I'm facilitating, like, this is how I grew up. This is where they're, Everyone recognizes that they have them. It's the disrupting them that's the hard part, you know, and they're all, everyone's really good at identifying other people's biases and disrupting those. But then when we hold it to our hearts and look at the mirror, then that's the difficult part to disrupt our own biases.
0: Yeah, it it, <laughs> it definitely is. Um, I, I've I've been part of and led a lot of workshops on that. So I can, I can feel you there. All right, I want to talk about your latest project. I do have to take a quick break, though. Will you stay with me? Definitely. Awesome. Everybody, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of the pod is brought to you by stamps.com. You're a mover, you're a shaker, getting stuff done, making moves, taking care of business. You're not the type that likes to wait in lines and waste time and money. So, why are you still going to the post office when you should be using stamps.com? Mailing and shipping online at stamps.com is awesome. It's a breeze. They allow you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. You send letters, ship packages, and you pay a lot less with discounted rates from the Postal Service and UPS. And Stamps.com has saved businesses thousands of hours and tons of money. You get the services of the Post Office and UPS all in one place, plus big discounts on mailing and shipping rates. I found their service extremely smooth and efficient. It's a must-have for any business, whether you're a small office sending out invoices or an online seller shipping out your orders, or if you're a giant warehouse sending out thousands of packages a day. Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, you just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that easy. With Stamps.com, you get discounts of up to 40% off post office rates and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Stamps.com is a no-brainer. Saves you time and money. It's no wonder nearly a million small businesses already use Stamps.com. So stop wasting time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk. And with our promo code DAILYBEANS... You get a special offer that includes a four week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the little microphone at the top of the homepage, type in daily beans, all one word, and and you're good to go. That's stamps.com, promo code dailybeans. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to the regional field director of Southern Africa for Peacework International. It's Greg Potter. And, Greg, for the break, I was alluding to your latest project and it's called the LGBTQ plus interchange. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit, give us a little background on
3: this project and what it entails. Definitely. Well, as we all know, there was this thing called COVID-19 and a pandemic. And so between my travel work and then I also run a marketing company in Wisconsin that does a lot with events, everything came to a halt. So I had a lot of time to think and evaluate what I wanted to focus on next and also looking at, because travel is such a big part of my life now, looking at how do I more intentionally travel and create space for people to learn, develop, and bridge communities. So I looked at what I already had going for me, and I South Africa is like home. I spent so much time there, and I've created such beautiful, wonderful urban families in different pockets of South Africa. I thought, why don't I create some sort of professional development program where we look at some intersectionality and with this, it's going to be the LGBTQ plus intersection and have conversations from meeting people and then develop ourselves, but also putting money into an economy uh, supporting grassroots organizations that really need it right now, because uh, the United States was not the only people that went through this and and everyone's still going through it. I don't, I won't say any more about that because I have some very high opinions on that, (laughs) but as we most, most of us do. But um, yeah, I was like, there's, I have space to think, let's create something new. So that's really where it generated from. Well, this
0: sounds like a multiple win situation, like so many different people benefit from this kind of project. And this interchange specifically I have here is a 14 day program that will actually take participants to South Africa. When does this take place and, and what, what do you do when you get there?
3: Well, the inaugural trip is October 8th through the 21st. So if you really want to do something interesting, because it will be also, a, you know, it's the beta test. So it will be a lot of fun, but we'll get there. Um, everything's included except for your flight to Johannesburg and, and back to wherever you're coming from. And then two meals, because we'll have two meals out in the town that will be on your own. But everything else is included, all the excursions, accommodations, your flight from Johannesburg to Cape Town, Cape Town to East London, and then back to Josie, uh, the donations to all the different organizations that we'll meet. But really, essentially, we'll get there. We'll start at the Apartheid Museum after we have a night's sleep and try and work through jet lag. And then that will just be the that will be the motivation to get. Once we get a little bit about the general history, then we'll start meeting different people. It includes uh, LGBTQ politicians, advocates. Uh, We'll go to an orphanage in northern South Africa and learn about their gay-straight alliance that they created, which was a way ahead of their time. And yeah, and then we'll end it at this beautiful place called Morgans Bay, where we will have a day-long workshop that really brings it all together and looks at how does does our personal development, sit in everything that just happened in the two weeks
0: wow so so you get first of all it sounds like kind of almost developing a program this is the inaugural and so there's going to be i think a lot of building our wings on the way down so to speak which i think is incredibly Mm -hmm. valuable experience for anyone looking to sort of i guess build on that skill because it is a skill uh it sounds like i mean obviously international travel involved and then you you'll get experience in international relations, which I think is hugely valuable for anybody who's maybe looking into, I mean, even if, I mean, first of all, just for personal awesomeness, but, you know, you, I mean, if you're thinking about State Department right. or, you know, any kind of uh, organization, governmental agency, NGOs, I mean, there, there seems like there's such a trove of
3: experience here to be had on this trip. There definitely is. And what's exciting is the space that we don't know about, too. Because every time this, I I feel very strongly that this will continue into some other arms of what travel, interchange travel looks like. But um, the you know the beautiful thing about international travel is someone will say, oh, you should also meet this person, or they'll bring someone else to dinner. You know, and what happens with those unplanned conversations or those organic happenings that you know that we all experience when we travel. And they sometimes make the best part of the trip. So that part I can't mm. put on the brochure. Uh, but then there's the other pieces, you know, like always bringing it back to transformational leadership. Or I, I'm very proud that I am about to bring out a new a book on collaboration. And so some of my collaboration framework will be, woven in and out of the workshops and the conversations.
0: Yeah, there are there are different kinds of leaders and transformational is the way to go. (laughs) Either that or servant leadership or a mixture of both. Right. Because I think that they're different sort of approaches, but with the same goals. So there's a lot of leadership development opportunity here as well. And I wonder how many people after this will be like, I want to do this in Germany. I want to do this in egypt i want to do like i mean i just i imagine like you like infecting a group of people with this incredible idea who can then just sort of spread it around and and really sort of create a wave of people wanting to to bring change and organize communities
3: and to understand understand better completely i i'm I get so giddy thinking about where this could be or where this could go and also the opposite side of that too like what happens when we're able to have the similar pro- program but with everyone coming to the states. You know there's there's so many different ways that this can go but for this first project I'm just so excited to share a place that I call home with a group of beautiful, mesmerizing people already, and we can all grow together because there is no one person knows all in this world.
0: No, that's totally true. Uh, Where can people get more information on this? Do you have any spots still open? And I mean, it's what, October 8th through the 21st, and that's this year. And um, I, I was wondering if people can still possibly sign up for this or just sign up to support the organization.
3: Definitely. Well, I'm doing everything through my, uh, under the umbrella of my marketing company right now. So if you go to project it's right there on the homepage. uh, And you'll scroll down and see the LGBTQ plus interchange. There are spots open still. And if we get to a certain point, I'll open up a second set of dates and and Allison, all of your listeners, if they want to email me and I'll give my email in just a moment and say they heard on here, I can give them the inaugural price of three thousand. It's twenty nine ninety nine. Wow. So that's uh it's an incredible, like cheap way to travel right now and I think, very impactful.
0: Yeah, with everything included, except those two out on the town meals. I mean, for 13 days.
3: Right. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Books, your curriculum, everything's involved. And yeah, included. Awesome. Incredible. Yeah, if you could let everybody know your email address and everybody, you can visit Project Connect, K-I-N-E-C-T dot com for more information. But uh, yeah, what's your email address?
3: My email address is Greg, G-R-E-G-G at Project dot com or find me on the socials. It's G-G Potter. On everything. So well, by everything I mean only Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram because I am not into Snapchat or the other ones yet.
0: Yeah, I still I have a TikTok. I just don't know what to do with it. But thank you so much. And finally,
3: is that a schnauzer? It is. It's my COVID adopted dog. She's Australian Kelpie, but then a bunch of other things. Oh
0: my gosh. What's her name?
3: Uh Ophelia. Ophelia. Ophelia come here.
0: Hot puppers. <laughs> yeah, we we have a pod pet tax on this program. So thank you for for sharing your your rescue puppers. <laughs> I appreciate your time so much. And again, everybody check out ProjectConnect.com. com. And uh, Greg, it's been an honor to speak with you. I look forward to see what you do in the future.
3: Same here. Thank you so much. Thanks,
0: everybody. Stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the beans. We all put things off from time to time. I am an expert at procrastinating. And uh, we shouldn't do that with our health, though, right? You shouldn't put off seeing a doctor. So if you've been putting off seeing a doctor or if making an appointment feels like a chore or you're not ready to go out to crowded waiting rooms or sit in traffic, Plush Care is here for you. They make it super easy to schedule an appointment and see a doctor so you can prioritize your health hassle-free. Plush Care provides virtual doctorate appointments through your smartphone or computer. You just pick a time that works for you and bam, you book an appointment right online. I love it. I don't have to sit on hold forever or make an appointment or leave the house and sit in a crowded waiting room. With Plush Care, I can be diagnosed, treated, and even have a prescription sent to my pharmacy of choice, if needed, within minutes. Plush accepts most major insurance carriers and is available in all 50 states, and the providers care. They're here to, here to help by discussing treatment options and providing prescriptions as needed. And they're available anytime I have questions. So if you're having difficulty doing, you know, getting to that doctor's office, Plush Care is the way to go. And if you're also having some anxiety or difficulty managing your emotions these days, PlushCare Care can help with that, too. Schedule an appointment today to discuss your treatment options. I found using Plush Care to be such a pleasant experience. It was so easy to schedule an appointment that was convenient for me and worked for me. I felt immediately comfortable and confident with my doctor. Didn't have to leave my house. Uh, I absolutely loved it. And the most important thing is our health. So it's wonderful how painless Plush Care made it for me to put my health first. So check out some of the reviews, like this one from Patrick in Georgia, who says, Wow, wow, wow. This is so easy and quick. I had a cold virus that turned into a sinus infection pulled over on my way to a meeting and a video chat with a doctor he was attentive kind and efficient after a few questions he diagnosed my ailment the call took less than 10 minutes prescription was at the pharmacy later that day i will be a client for a long time i don't know why uh, i've decided patrick uh is christopher walken but plush care makes it easier than ever to take care of yourself inside and out so start your membership today go to plushcare.com Slash Daily Beans to start your free 30-day trial. That's P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com slash Daily Beans for a free 30-day trial. PlushCare.com slash Daily Beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Ah, Dana, welcome back to the good news. I know you missed it tomorrow, <laughs> yesterday.
2: I, I did. and missed it next week. Mm. I, I mean, who knows what's going to... And the funny thing is I will miss it tomorrow because today's my <laughs> <laughs> today's, right? your Friday. today's my Friday, which is Thursday. It's very confusing, people. This is why I have a hard time keeping up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we will be joined tomorrow by Amy Carrero. So if you have anything you want to send in, uh, if you have a dispute, it can be a dispute with your cat, a dispute with yourself. Uh, you can send that in. Or if you want to file an amicus brief on a previous case, whatever, whatever you want to do, you can send it to Amy's court. Do it again. Dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I'm going to kick us off with a submission from Ozzy Ben, pronouns he and him. G'day, wonderful ladies, longtime listener, supporter as much as I can, and general social gadfly from down under here. I'm 100% positive I speak on behalf of all your listeners when I say thank you so incredibly much for what you do. You, your calm and fiendish detail into every righteous topic brings a welcome sense of inclusion and knowledge delivered with all the fucking swearing and levity we love so dearly. Good job there. Thank you. Thank you, Ozzy. Ozzy Ben. Now, for the correction. Oh, it's a correction. And it's a biggin, as you've been raking the ears of an entire continent for some time now when describing an Australian sheepdog or blue or red healer or really anything antipodian. It's pronounced Aussie, not Aussie. Oh, sorry. I've kept my silence as long as I could, waiting for someone to say something, but I feel the need to respectfully mention this. It seems to be uniquely American as a uniquely American problem to chuck the S's instead of the z's not sure why but hoping we can turn this dingo around <laughs> <laughs> please keep doing what you're doing it's so important to continue growing this misinformation correction path we've unfortunately found ourselves on i don't know what the ultimate aim of all these right-wing cretins actually is but it just seems insane perhaps they really just want to watch the world burn and that's not going to happen on my watch so glad you're keeping up the fight uh apples for the long essay I'm- a po- oh, appalls, as in apologies. I, I get it. That's adorbs. Uh, appalls for the long essay. We tend to, to crap on a lot down here. <laughs> OK, we tend to crap on. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to use that one. For pod pet tax, I enclose our two aging criminals, Diesel, the ever hungry staffy, and Millie, the doe-eyed sidekick, both pictured here, looking guilty as fuck.
2: Enjoy. <laughs> I love this submission. Oh, my God. Now, I will say
0: I had an Australian Shepherd and, uh, named robot. And they do call them Aussies here. Many Aussies and Aussies. That's, that's, uh, I've never heard an Australian shepherd referred to as an Aussie. Uh, so I, you know, I'll, I'll let you know that that's how it is now, if that's wrong, I'm going to start calling them Aussies just cause, uh, if that's the correct way to do it. Um, that's what I'm going to do.
2: Well, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. When you said that, I was like, Oh, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, if it was an American sheepdog, we could call it an Aussie. But it's an Australian sheepdog, so I'm going to call it an Aussie. (laughs) All right. This next one is just from her. That's it. No name. Nothing else. Just her. I'm such a fan of you ladies and the entire pod crew. I listen to them all. You gals and guys bring me joy in such a tumultuous time. I've sent a picture of my fur babies. I've got two feline queens and two doggy adorables. I've got a pity and I don't have a clue doggy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surely going to do a DNA test on Miss Paris Rose. I believe she's a German shepherd and something else. Maybe a beagle or even weird wolf. Uh, got any guesses for a grateful beans girl? Oh, look at the black the void chalk. Hello, Kitty. Oh my goodness. <gasps> definitely pity and Mastiff, maybe? Yeah, that's a beefy puppy. That is a beautiful dog. Oh, yeah, that's a pity. I just don't know how big she is when she stands. Because Mastiff would probably make her a lot l- well larger. The pity apparently isn't a mix. It's the next oh, picture. The next one. Thank you. Pu- a definitely German Shepherd. Keep scrolling, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm like it's a, a mastiff, and you're like, are you sure it's a mastiff? <laughs> um, I like that. but you said maybe, and then you're looking at this dog. There's no way there's mastiff in this dog. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I would say maybe even collie. I had a dog that was half wolf and half collie. So and cute. She's got a though. little butt. Maybe there's some collie in there.
0: Yeah, and she's got the curly fur's on the booty.
2: Yeah, adorable. Whatever yeah. she is, indeed. When you All find right. out,
0: let us know because I want to know. Please. Aww. And the look on the face. What? Like, what did she just do? Yeah. All right. Next up from always in memory of Trisket, pronouns she and her. I have enough good news right now to fill an entire show, but I want to focus on the fact that at 34, I finally finished college again. Woo-hoo. I graduated in 2010 with a psych BA, failed to do anything with it and decided to go back in 2014 for mechanical engineering. Awesome. Wow. Working full time and going as hard as I can, including every summer class I could take. It still took seven long years, but it's finally over. I wanted to share Because I really want to recognize all the non-traditional students out there who know what it's like to struggle through a college system that isn't not designed for them, who know the agony of watching their social lives wither away, or the frustration of putting their plans of starting a family at the mercy of an institution that really couldn't care less about them, who have never quite felt like adults because they're still being treated like kids by professors barely older than them, to those people in it right now, feeling like they're missing out on life as the goalposts keep moving because, quote, those credits don't count anymore, unquote. As alone as they may feel, I just want to tell them they are not alone. Keep going. And don't forget, you started this because you believed in yourself. The world will be here when you're done. And it will also finally be yours.
2: Well put. Nice.
0: For tax, please enjoy another picture of Trisket, My inspiration. She never gave up, even after missing out on the first 12 years of life stuck in shelters with a BB lodged in her face. (sighs) I know. We only had her for a little over a year before losing her battle with cancer, but she was so inexplicably happy and content. She made us feel like the best humans in the world for every second she had with us. She also ate a lot of grass. (laughs) Ellie is the upside down one. She likes
2: to roll in horse shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Oh, I have a visceral anger in my chest for people who hurt animals okay we're not going to focus on that part of the story i know i know oh thank you so much for the submission congratulations on graduating yet again mm-hmm. so okay. much joy so much joy all right this next one's from anonymous pronounce he him and this is a misheard lyric back in the summer of 87 my young brain didn't know that brian adams was reminiscing about back in the summer of 69 i heard him begging for sex tonight <laughs> Begging for sex tonight. (laughs) I didn't know what sex was, but I knew there was a word called sex and people did it. I definitely didn't understand why he would be begging for it if he just bought his first real sex string. Hilarious. (laughs) Thanks for all the news and swears. But my first real sex sex string. (laughs) Bought it at the five and dime. I keep begging for sex tonight.
0: Oh, my God. That's great. I don't know what sex <laughs> is, but there's a word word called sex. And people are, people are doing it. it. <laughs> oh, it's so great. That's good. <sighs> All right. Next up from Roy the Snake. Pronouns he and him. Hey, ladies. Got a Mondegreen for you starring the great Dolly Parton. Her song, Why'd You Come In Here, came out when I was a teen and the video featured Billy Ray Cyrus. I was confused that he wasn't wearing a pair of Daisy Dukes in the video because I always hear... Why'd you come in here looking like that in your high heel boots and your panty long jeans?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Why you come in here looking like that in your high heel boots and your panty long jeans? your panty long jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall how I learned Dolly was referring to
0: butt hugging painted on jeans, but that's probably repressed for my own benefit.
2: Sorry, no new pet taxes. I've already paid previously. Oh, Roy, you think you only got to pay once, huh? Quite all right. Mm. Oh man, I got the city one. Okay, this one's from Anna. Pronoun she and her would like to share some swears and some town twisters. How do you say Colderport? No, Colder code, Coder Coderport. C O U D E R S P O R T. I don't believe the S is important. Coderport. I'm gonna say Cudport. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cudport might actually be it. All right. Uh, we've got or cudsport. St- Staunton? Staunton. saint S T Stanton. I'm gonna go with Stanton. S T A U N T O N Virginia. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Stanton too. And we've got I think it's Bourne, Texas, but that seems too easy. That seems too easy. It's spelled like Jason Bourne, B-O-U-R-N-E. Yeah. It's probably Borne. All right. It's probably Borney, Texas. All right, let's see. Okay. We got we got Cowder's Port. Okay. All for right. the first one so yeah i guess that the s was important stanton stanton did is, oh that's, i got stanton yeah, yeah. oh and Bur- bernie for b- what i thought was born <laughs> bernie okay Bornie, i thought but it's bernie okay now nah. yeah. all right now for the swears my eight years ago oh uh, no maybe eight years ago <laughs> my fake sorority alpha sigma sigma From college, went to visit one of my girl's parents in Vermont, and her father confessed that for his 50th birthday, he was committed to more and better swears. That's what he was committed to. So we made a swearing club in his honor at our first meeting while we were visiting his house. He pulled out a fax. Yes, you read that correctly. About all the different ways you can use fuck. (laughs) He read it to us by headlamp around a fire. (laughs) It was amazing in every way. Also, my mother, who is a retired pastor, rarely swears. But when she gets upset, she just strings something together. Every word like shit, damn piss, fuck hell. (laughs) <laughs> and it makes me laugh every time, mostly because she gets annoyed that she can't think of more and she is awkward doing it. Plus, it makes absolutely no sense. Pet tax. Attached, you will find my 12-year-old rescue basset hound, oh. Mulligan, oh, and his brother. We just got him two months ago, Gunnison, who was a street dog and is clearly a German shepherd mix, but we call him a ginger shepherd because I once tried to tell my boyfriend that a German shepherd in our neighborhood was a ginger shepherd, and I didn't even realize the mistake. It's a ginger <laughs> shepherd. Oh look. Oh, look at the basset hound. Look at that basset hound. Oh my goodness. How adorable. Every basset hand in my head is named was- Roscoe Pico Tree. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Roscoe. Q. Uh what was cue, his cue, cue. Flash was his dog's name. Flash. Come on, Flash. Me And then I think oh. in Smokey and the Bandit, uh, the trucker guy had one too. Yeah.
2: Oh. oh, good times. Have was some good laughs today. Thank you for getting me on track. I, I didn't. I was in a very good mood before we started recording. And, and you know, just laughter it really is the best medicine. Ah, I love it. It is. It is. I agree. And uh, I know you I hope you have a great
0: weekend. I know Amy's going to be here tomorrow. You'll be off, but you'll be back on Sunday. Do you have anything you want to any words you would
2: like to impart upon? listeners before you take off for the weekend. I have another live show Ooh. that I just it's yeah in this one sooner. It's it's in July, July 8th. It'll be in Palm Springs. So if I have any of my Palm Springs people out there, Allison's head perked up. It's going to be myself, Brad locally, Ian Harvey. And the lineup is just dumb good I, I don't even know if they've announced the show but i'm announcing it it's going to be at hunters and uh we'll get tickets as soon as i know when the tickets and where you can get them we'll let you know but that's july 8th well now i have to go you gotta I to go. go you and ian harvey on the same show right come on jeez yeah we
0: will be there every night.
2: come hang out july so yeah if you're palm springs just know i'll be there uh, live july 8th and let's see here july 8th is a thursday, thursday.
0: cool so i need to get a find a hotel in palm springs on the 8th, I'm writing all this down. Perfect. Something with a pool because it will be 9 million to 100 degrees outside. A billion degrees. Yep. And, uh, oh, that'll be so great. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. I'm excited now.
2: Woohoo. This yeah. will be my first live comedy show that I've seen. Yeah, it'll be my first one that I've seen and performed at. So. this going to be rad. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, all
0: right, everybody. Thank you so much. And uh, Dana, we'll see you Sunday. Until then, well, Monday. You know. You know. The thing. It's why I'm crazy, people. This (laughs) is why I'm crazy. (laughs) Everybody until then, uh, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. And Louis Gomert is dumb. I've been Alison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Alison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane